Amen, amen. You know, there's a lot in the Bible about the name of Jesus. I was just thinking as we were singing the song, the Bible says that there is no other name uh, given unto man which, by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. The book of Philippians says that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so when we're singing that, we're just singing, Jesus, you are our victor, you are our king, you are our Lord. And uh, that's what we are celebrating this Easter, and we are so glad you guys are here. And by the way, everybody looks just so great today. I mean, everybody's decked out, you look good, you got t- some of you guys got ties on. A lot of you men are in pastels today, amen? And uh, it's okay to be in pastels one day a year, all right? God bless you guys. It's great. I want you to know this outfit today is brought to you, this is the truth, by Kroger. I bought my outfit at Kroger, amen. I went there the other day. I'm like, wow, that, that's like a, that shirt right there is $2.97. I mean, this shirt right here was $4.97. This, is, this cost me less than my cloud caramel macchiata. That is absolutely the truth. My two cents less. My, even my shoes came from Kroger. I know they're pleather, but listen, I put the whole outfit together for less than 30 bucks. Amen? All right. All right. I was so excited. I took JB, our intern. I'm like, dude, you got to get some clothes over here at Kroger. He's like, Kroger? I was like, yeah, Kroger. We got to go. And then I took Benjamin, our other son. I'm like, you got to buy some stuff over here, too. Don't go there, though, because it's all bought out. All right? It's all bought out over there at Kroger. And uh, so anyway, it's all good. Man, how about my man over here is dancing this morning? All right? How about that? That dude was breaking it down. Wow, I told him on the way out, I'm like, wow, you just like totally rocked that today. He's like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like, all right, that's, that's cool. There was a great comeback that happened in the world of sports this week. How many of you watched last week when Tiger Woods won his first major tournament in 10 years? Anybody watch that? Now, I know some of you guys are Tiger haters. Some of you are Tiger watchers. Some of you are Tiger admirers. I am not a hater. I, uh, I like a good comeback story. I never... Like, I'm not that guy who just is, is pushing people down. Like, I hope you always lose. And, and, and he was defeated. I mean, he was defeated physically. He had four back surgeries, four knee surgeries. He, he was defeated morally. There was a very public uh, uh, outcry and, uh, about his moral failures. He was defeated on the golf course. And who knows what he's going to do in the future. Only history will tell. But for one weekend in Augusta, he claimed victory from defeat. But friends, you know that that's not even close to the greatest comeback ever. Today, millions of people around the world are gathered to celebrate the greatest victory in the course of human history, which was Jesus' triumph over the grave and over death once and for all, so that we can live not only here, but we can live with him for eternity. One weekend in Jerusalem, Jesus blew open the grave and claimed victory forever from defeat. And that is something to get together and be excited about and to get together and to celebrate. And in light of that, I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with us. And thanks for hanging out with us today and for accepting somebody's invitation to come if this is your first time. And and we have three venues at Axis. We have Sunday morning here in Mason, Sunday morning in Middletown, and then Sunday night we have a a young adult group at Project 215 that meets at Kyle Coffee House. And when I think about our time together today, and when I think about our theme for the day, victory for the defeated, I can't help but to think about sports analogies. Now, when I think about the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, I think about a lot of sports moments. But one that comes to mind, and some of you won't think this is a victory at all, but I think about the Chicago Cubs defeating the Cleveland Indians in 2016 after 100 years of not being able to to win the World Series. And they came back from a three-games-to-one deficit. 
Now, at the same time, some of you see that as a great defeat, all right? But then when I think about being defeated, the, the agony of defeat, I just think about the Bengals, amen? You know what I'm saying? I just think about the Bengals overall. But no, I think about 15, 2015, when they were leading the Steelers, they were going to win their first playoff game in almost 20 years, it seemed like it. And through their own mental mistakes and emotional just outbursts, they lost the game in utter embarrassment. And in that moment, I just sort of emotionally checked out from the Bengals, right? I mean, 2015 was a big moment for me. In sports, we recognize both the emotion of the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. How many of you have ever watched a sport, sporting event? And you're watching on TV. It's your favorite team. They are starting to lose. They're making bonehead decisions. And you just kind of stand up, walk around for a while like, what is happening? What is happening? You take the remote and finally go, you're, I'm fed up. You just turn the thing off. Has that happened to anybody before? You're just like, I can't watch it anymore. I can't bear it. And how many of you have ever watched a sporting event and you do something different? You stand up, but not in defeat. You stand up in victory. But you are, you're pumped up. You jump to your feet when your team makes the winning basket or kicks the winning field goal. And suddenly you're just pumped up. You don't even care if anybody else is in there. You're like just shouting for joy. Anybody ever been there? Well, here's the deal. None of us want to be associated with losing. None of us. Every person in this room wants to be associated with winning. And there is something I think that God did in our design where he calibrated the human heart for the thrill of victory. Now, you learn through those defeats. You learn through times of, dis of dis discouragement. But none of us want to experience that forever. It's just the way God made us. We, we want to have that moment, that victory moment. And what I find fascinating about the resurrection story is that, that no one was there, very few people were there to really resonate or realize what was happening in the moment when he resurrected. I mean, the angels were there. The guards fell like dead men. But all of his friends had deserted him. People had left him. He's in the grave. The disciples are afraid. Nobody had an iPhone at the moment when Jesus resurrected. There was no ticker tape parade. There was not a mob of people waiting for him. Jesus wasn't hoisted on somebody's shoulders with arms lifted in the air in victory. There was no Gatorade shower. None of that was there. As a matter of fact, it's, it's about as low-key of a celebration as it could possibly be. And when I was reading this this week, I thought to myself, if I had risen from the dead, I mean bodily, physically risen from the dead, I would have marched right over to Pilate's house and rung his doorbell and said, hey, remember me? You killed me three days ago, and I'm back, and I'm your worst nightmare. That would have been my reaction. But here's a little detail in the story that we rarely talk about at Easter, but it's very interesting. Rather than the ticker tape parade, you know what Jesus did after he resurrected? He went for a walk. Seven miles down a two-lane country road, probably a footpath to a little, a little country town called Emmaus. It'd be like walking from here to the Golden Lamb. And Jesus said, hey, I don't want any fanfare. There are just two guys that are right now walking on the road to Emmaus, and I want to go talk to those guys. That's the way Luke 24 sets the story. These two guys are leaving Jerusalem, heading home. A couple guys from the country who are walking away from Jerusalem and the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, you ask, how do you know they're country boys? I know they're country boys because one of their names is Clepus. I mean, that's a southern name right there, friends. Clepus, you got to get your truck out, and we're going to come on over for some supper. And these guys are just walking, and Cleopas is there, and, and these guys are talking about everything that has happened. And Jesus just comes alongside of them and says, can I walk with you? 
Now, an indication that they're discouraged and sad just comes in Luke 24, 17, which says their faces were downcast. These guys were sad because they had known the story of Jesus, and they're discouraged, and Jesus just walks up and asks a question. What's wrong? And they stop in their tracks. In verse 18, old Cleopas says, How are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? Are you serious? You don't know anything that's going on? They didn't recognize Jesus. Now, they're not talking about the, the resurrection. They're talking about the crucifixion. They didn't know about the resurrection. And, and they're just discouraged. And let me put you emotionally in the scene for a minute. Let's just imagine that before you came in here today, you saw somebody get murdered. That's not a fun thought on Easter, but imagine with your own two eyes, you saw somebody else take the life of another person, and imagine the trauma of that. Those of you who've been to war, you understand that emotion. It may be difficult to stomach, but imagine that the person who was murdered wasn't just a random stranger, it was somebody that you knew. Imagine if the person that you saw murdered was somebody you cared about, how would you feel? Now, imagine these two guys on that first day, the resurrection day. They're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and there they are. And as far back as they could remember, they have seen murder after murder after murder at the hands of the brutal Romans. And they believed that a king was going to come and was going to defeat the Romans and was going to deliver them. And so these guys were looking forward to this king. They, they thought the king was Jesus. I mean, here's a guy who came out of nowhere. A guy that was born in Bethlehem that performed undeniable miracles. And here he is healing the lame and the blind and the crippled. He raises people from the dead. That, my friends, is a game changer. They knew this was the king. Not only that, he's spending time with prostitutes and tax collectors. And he's elevating the status of women and children. And he's spending his time defending the poor and those who are in need. And so these guys knew this must be the king. But then on Friday, these guys, while they're celebrating the greatest day in Jewish history, which is the Jewish calendar Passover day, and they're already put this guy on a throne. They've already basically declared him as king. All of a sudden, the Roman governor named Pilate takes this man, Jesus, flogs him and murders him in broad daylight. And these two guys are walking from Jerusalem down the road to Emmaus, just trying to process all of what has just happened. And Jesus just walks up beside of them. He knows they don't know him. Maybe they're kept from recognizing him. Or maybe the last time they saw him, he was so brutally beaten that they couldn't process in their mind that this actually would be Jesus. But whatever it is, they're walking and Jesus is talking. And I love this. It says the beginning with Moses, Jesus starts in Genesis and he works his way through the whole Old Testament on this trip. It's about a two hour walk. Can you imagine? You'd love to be there, wouldn't you, right after the resurrection for two hours? Jesus himself explaining the scripture to you. That would have been some Bible study. And he was, he was just telling them over and over about what he had done and what the Messiah was to do and what the crucifixion actually meant. They still don't recognize him. But Luke, who wrote this account, is also a doctor. And so he uses a physical image. He describes that suddenly they just have this moment while they're eating lunch with Jesus, this great awakening. He literally says that their eyes were open, like an aha moment, and they realize it's Jesus. And the very moment they realize it's Jesus, Jesus basically gets up from the table, leaves the tip, and he's gone. Verse 31 says their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. But here's the key. He is not dead. He's alive. 
And friends, if you have ever been one of these two guys on the road to Emmaus, you understand. You understand the, the agony of defeat. You understand what it's like to have your eyes downcast. You understand what it's like to be discouraged, to be defeated. And when you read the accounts of the resurrection in the Bible and the others outside the Bible, and you look at the historical accounts and the eyewitness accounts of over 500 people that Jesus appeared to and talked to, you'll discover in the moment that he resurrected, death lost. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is undoubtedly the moment that changed the course of human history from defeat to victory. But the question for us today is, how does it change you? How do you walk away from an encounter like the conversation Jesus had with these two men on the road to Emmaus and live your life ever, ever, ever in the same way? You can't. There's a documentary out called Undefeated. It's, it's about a high school football team in Memphis, Manassas High School. They had no state funding. They had not won games in several years. 90% of the boys had lost their fathers to drug-related violence. On the other side of Memphis, a Sunday school teacher one day was teaching his Sunday school. And he was encouraging the men in that class about this high school in the inner city of Memphis. And he said, men, I'm challenging you. One of you, will you go and will you be the coach of this team? And one man by the name of Bill, an average guy, a construction guy, he said, I don't know a lot about football, but I know a lot about life, and I'd be willing to do that. So he drives across Memphis into the inner city. He, he goes to the superintendent's office at Manassas High. He says, I'd like to coach this football team for free. So they threw him a whistle and said, good luck. Four weeks into it, he was ready to throw in the towel and quit. Fights would break out in the locker room among the players. Two of his players were killed in gang-related violence. But before he walked away, he pulled aside one of the team leaders, and he said to this kid, will I ever get the respect of this team? And this young boy said, coach, we already respect you. We're just waiting to see if you're a turkey man. The coach never heard that term before. He said, well, what's a turkey? Turkey man. And the kid said, well, between the months of Thanksgiving and Christmas, a lot of people like yourself from the suburbs, they drive down here and they come into our city and they give us turkeys for Christmas gifts for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And our families accept them because we're poor. We can't afford those things. But then you guys always return on the same day, right, drive right back out, go back to your homes. And we can't tell if you're really interested in us or if you just want a good story to tell back at your church. Bill said in that moment something clicked. He had an aha moment. His eyes came open. His start, heart started to beat for the first time. He realized that he had been a turkey man. And he said, I don't ever want to be that again. So from 2004 to 2009, Bill poured everything he had into this group of boys, beginning to know a lot about football, even took them to their first playoff game in their 110 school history. He helped those boys experience victory. And friends, I have no idea why you're here today, but I can tell you this. We have someone who left heaven, came to earth voluntarily, who said, I want to give my very best to everybody in the world so that they can experience victory. And what I want to do today, just for a few moments here, is give you these three ideas about living in victory. Because Jesus doesn't want you to live in that downcast state. He wants your eyes to be lifted, your eyes to be opened. And first, I want you to know, when you live in victory, it helps you to not worry in the present. 
helps you to not worry in the present. Some of you come in here with a lot of discouragement. Your eyes are downcast like the two men on the road to Emmaus. You are frustrated, discouraged, defeated, and you walk in your life that way. And the victory of Jesus over the grave reminds us we don't have to worry in the present. He's taking care of the big things in our life, the big things that really matter. So you can settle down and relax with that. You know Jesus has got this. Ever watch a game that you really wanted to see or put it on DVR? And you don't want anybody to tell you because you had a commitment. You couldn't actually watch the game live. So you tell all your friends, don't tell me, don't tell me who wins. I do not want to know who wins the game. Do not tell me. And then some guy knows you, knows you love the team, comes up like, who day? You know, like, hey, did you see that game? That was awesome. And you're like, shut up. Like, I didn't want to know. And it's frustrating. And then you go home and you watch it anyway. Why? Because you love the team. And you turn it, you play it back, you skip all the commercials. And you're just, you're eating your popcorn, you're eating your wings, you don't care because you already know who wins the game. You're totally relaxed with it. You don't worry. And friends, what I want you to know today is you don't need to worry. Death has been defeated. You don't need to fear the grave. You don't need to worry about the small things in life because the big things are already determined. You have nothing you need to prove to anyone. You have nothing you need to fear. You have no need to worry about this life because Jesus Christ won he is the victor. Verse 31 says about these guys that their eyes were open. They went from downcast to open. They recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? These guys were forever changed. When Jesus Christ, the King, was resurrected, they would never be the same. Their eyes went from downcast to open. Their hearts went from discouraged to burning within them. And the Scripture came alive to them. And many of you in this room, you've experienced that. You know what it's like in your own life to go from death to life. You know what it's like to go from discouragement to victory. You know what it is like to have hope for eternity and forgiveness of your sins and God's grace in your life, His presence in your life, His peace in your life. You know what it is like to live in victory. Jesus' victory over the grave, friends, changes everything. And you do not need to worry. The Bible says, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. You just realize Jesus takes care of today. He takes care of today. And by the way, when you get to, to tomorrow, he takes care of tomorrow too. That doesn't mean you're going to have all, everything go right. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect in your life. Nobody wants that. Then that just leads to a bunch of people becoming spoiled children. You're going to have some setbacks. You're going to have some hard times. But you need to know that ultimately the victory has already been won. No matter what happens in the game of life, what flags are thrown, what penalties are given, what time the other team is pushing you back, you know that at the end, Jesus Christ has won. I want you to know also that when you live in victory, you just want to share the win. You want to share the win. When my team wins, I don't have any trouble telling you about it. We're about to enter the softball season again. It's going to start this week. And, and we had quite a run there for a while. I went to five championship games. And, man, you just ask me. I'll tell you about them. I'll tell you every detail. I'll tell you who won, who hit, whatever, who, who made. I'll just tell you the details about the game because I remember. And I'm willing to share with you the victory. Because when you live in victory, you want to share the win with people. Verse 24, or, or chapter 24, verse 34 says, These two guys got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Now think about this. It took them about two hours to walk from, from Mason to, to the Golden Lamb. It took them about two hours to walk from Jerusalem to, 
to, to Emmaus. But when you think about walking back, I think it probably took about 45 minutes, maybe less. These guys are like all in a, oh, let's go. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. We're going to talk to the guys. And here's where they go. They find the 11, the 11 disciples. They're up in the upper room. And those with them, so it wasn't just the 11, it was other people. And they're all assembled together, probably praying, probably thinking, probably crying. They don't know. They've heard rumors. Maybe he's alive. Maybe he's not. We don't know. And these guys from Emmaus go into the room, knock on the door and say, hey, it's true. The Lord has risen. And he appeared to Simon. And they're excited to share the news. And friends, listen, we gather here every, uh, every weekend. We sing songs. We worship. And on Easter, we gather together and we wear pastel colors. Amen. And we have brunch and we have Easter egg hunts. And this is all great stuff. And it's all a lot of fun, right? But I just don't think that Jesus Christ rose from the dead so we could limit our celebration to just that. He wants, he, I think he wants us to know that his resurrection is going to come to life in us and through us. Not just that we can just celebrate candy, but that we can celebrate the good news of Christ. I, I enjoyed yesterday a lot. We had an Easter egg hunt up in the Middletown campus. It was great because so many of the people from this campus went up there. It was cool to be able to see it, wasn't it, and see what's happening up there and, and kind of how things are changing and everything. I love Erin. Erin's got a great heart. She made these, uh, and uh, they made these, um, these, uh, these big eggs out of paper mache, and the kids got to hit them open. Like, hey, hit an egg open, you know. And uh, inside is going to be like a, a big, like, items to celebrate. One of them's like, I love the first one because Aaron puts this set of ears on. looks just like bunny ears. She's like, hey, you know, Jesus came into Jerusalem on a bunny. I was like, oh, that's so funny. She came on a, she's like, I'm just kidding. It's not a bunny. It's a donkey. They were donkey ears, but they look like bunny ears. And, uh, and then the last kid, when he hit the paper mache, there was nothing in there. And, then, and Perry, he was like, what, what, where is it, where is it, man? Nothing in my egg. He's all afraid. And then like, Aaron's like, yeah, see, there's nothing in there. He's resurrected. And everybody gets the point. And people, parents are back there crying like, I can't believe it's such a touching deal. Kids are like, wow, this is awesome. And then we celebrated by uh, having candy. The last egg was like a, a thing, an Easter egg of Starburst candy. I loved how Aaron just changed it. The meaning, because we all just think candy's candy. She goes, you know what that represents? That represents the sweet news of Jesus coming from the grave. I like the sweet news, man. Ooh, that's good stuff right there. And so every kid's out there like eating candy. She's like, yeah, that's the sweet news right there. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. She totally turned that. I love that. But there's so much to celebrate. But friends, the truth about the resurrection is, the sweet news about the resurrection is, that changes us. We don't have to live in defeat. We can live in victory. We don't have to live in that moment of discouragement. We can live in victory. And I run into people all the time. I have these conversations with people that are discouraged about things. And, 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 and they avoid Jesus or they avoid church. And I think they avoid church and Jesus because they think maybe God's just out to get them or the church is too judgmental or maybe they had a bad experience. And if that's you, I, I want to tell you a couple things. Number one, I'm sorry that that happened. We started Access Church 10 years ago with a heart of grace. That this would be a grace-filled place that no matter your highs or lows, God loves you, we're with you, and let's keep doing better together. And number two, that is not who God is. He is not a God that is out to get you. The Bible says about Jesus that while the enemy is there to kill and steal and destroy and lie to you, that God is there to give you life and give it to you abundantly. It's a life that, that is so good that it needs to be shared. So get your eyes off yourself. Really start to find joy. Don't be discouraged. 
And as a church, friends, let's keep connecting with people who, who need those words of encouragement. Keep looking for those kids that we can encourage, the kids that are struggling in some way, and be a big brother or be a big sister. Look for a way to serve people who, who really do have needs. And, and what I found out is when you serve people who have needs, it lifts you up. It encourages you, right? Now, a few weeks ago, Popcorn, one of our dear friends here at church, uh, his van's like, you know, creeping along. And I was like, what's the raise money for popcorn? We've raised over $2,000 for popcorn. I, thought, I told him this morning, like, hey, we're on the lookout for car for you. We got $2,000. We're going to look. It's going to be better than that van you got. He's like, okay, you know, it's great. And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate. I just want to put a big bow on it out here one day. You know, I'll be like, hey, popcorn, here's your car. It's, it's awesome. And hope it gets along better than the other one. I, I just love that. It's not for the applause of men. You're not going to get a ticker tape parade. You're, you're not going to have somebody who celebrates you for that. Nobody's going to put you on their shoulders and say, thank you for serving everybody the way that Jesus served. But I can tell you this, heaven goes crazy. God stands up to his feet, and, and, and there's just this moment where heaven celebrates because when you do things like Jesus did, heaven recognizes it. You're a heart of a servant. You're living in victory. You have that attitude of caring for other people because when we have good news, when we have the win, it just needs to be shared. And there are a whole lot of people that need to hear the good news of Christ, that sweet news. Well, and when you live in victory, you get to live in the very presence of Jesus. Look at verse 36. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself, now think about this, they're in the upper room, there's the 11, there's other people, now there's these two guys who have run back from Emmaus, they get to the upper room, they're there, he's risen, he's risen, I'm telling you, we saw him, we just had lunch with him. Jesus himself then shows up in the room and is among them and says to them, peace be with you. I mean, that is quite a moment. Jesus himself offers his presence to those are a part of his team. Those who have said yes, those who live in victory, you have the very presence of Jesus among you. You have his help, his support. You have his power. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The very presence and the very person of Jesus stands with you, encouraging you, so that when you go through those hard times, those difficult times, those challenging times, you know that what Jesus said is true in Matthew 28. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Fear not, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. Take my burden upon you and learn from me because my burden is easy, my yoke is light. There is scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture about Christ's presence in your life. You can be victorious and you can live with the knowledge and the peace that Christ has defeated the grave and he offers you hope for eternally. Jesus stands with you. One of my favorite teams to watch is North Carolina Tar Heels. And some of you guys, you don't like them, but I grew up in ACC country. So much so that when I came up here, no offense, yeah, it's offensive. I came up here and watched uh, Big Ten basketball. I'm like, this is not even basketball compared to like what we were growing up with. And uh, I'm like, this is crazy. And, but we would watch Duke, we watched North Carolina, North Carolina State, and all these teams play each other. So I was a Carolina fan. And uh, in 1982, I remember watching the national championship game, Georgetown against North Carolina. It was an epic battle. There was this little freshman guy who has a last-second shot. Maybe you've heard of him, Michael Jordan. Anyway, 14 seconds left on the clock. Looks like the Tar Heels um, have sealed, uh, or uh, that, the, uh, that, that maybe the, the Tar Heels have sealed the victory. But Georgetown has an opportunity to come back. And they have a really quick point guard named Freddie Brown. And I remember watching this, and he's going to take that last-second shot 
but he gets down there, and for some reason, he passes the ball to a North Carolina player named James Worthy. And James Worthy then just takes the ball, and North Carolina just dribbles it around for a while, and then the game's over. And Carolina celebrates, and stuff falls out of the ceiling, and it's an epic celebration, and they're all, their families come down, their fans come down into the, into the arena there, and everybody is celebrating the, the, the thrill of victory. And then there's little Freddie Brown. Freddie Brown sits down on that bench, and while Carolina is celebrating, he just puts a towel over his head. The agony of defeat feels the weight of the world. Freddie Brown feels like he let his family down, let his parents down, let his, let his coach down, let his team down. Maybe you, maybe you feel like that. Maybe you've been in that Freddie Brown moment. Maybe you're in that Freddie Brown moment now. Maybe you have that towel over your head. Maybe you feel like, man, I could have done better, but I haven't. What, what is not seen, except is seen on videotape later, is his coach... Coach John Thompson comes over by Freddie Brown and he sits down by his player, puts his arm around him and says, Freddie, if that's the worst thing you do in this life, you have a great life ahead of you. Now, those words spoke life into Freddie Brown. And I don't know what condition you came into this room with today, but I know this, there are people who have regrets in this room. Regret is what keeps a lot of people from living the life that Jesus died to give them. And I want you to know that the Lord is here today encouraging you, championing you, supporting you. And some of you today, you just feel discouraged by life. You feel defeated by life. You feel like you've let people down. And what I want to say is that we have a leader. We have a Lord. We have a king who sits down beside you, puts his arm around you, and says, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, I took care of your sin problem. I I forgave you on the cross. You can live in victory. And the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that no weapon forms against you must will prosper. The Bible says that you can be victorious, that nothing will separate you from the love of Christ, that, it, that from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have all the potential and possibility that the world that God could offer because Christ is victorious. And that is the message of Easter. That the God of the universe comes alongside of you. That you are defeated. That you are discouraged. That things look bad. But like him, he said, I live. And because I live, you can live also. Not just here in this life, but in the life to come. Not just in the life to come, but in this life. Victorious. Every day. A peace that passes understanding. The knowledge and the hope that you have in Christ for eternity. The forgiveness of your sins. The grace that he extends. And I'm just saying, church, it's time for us to go from eyes downcast like these two men on the road to Emmaus. To our eyes open. Our hearts burning within us. And Christ there before us saying that because I live, you can live also. And that you can now go and live a victorious life. Christ has defeated the grave. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's been defeated. There's no longer a fear because Christ, Christ our Lord, is our victory. Amen? Amen. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your gift through Christ. And God, thank you that as we walk out of here today, we can walk. We can walk not with a mask. We can walk not with fear. God, we can walk in victory. 
God, there are people today who just needed that message. They need to know that you want them to live in that victory. You want them to not be defeated. You want them to live a life that's worthy of, of sharing with other people, sharing that sweet news with people. God, you want them to live in your presence, the very presence of Christ. You want them to know that they don't have to worry today. They don't have to be concerned about what's going to happen tomorrow because, because, God, you've defeated those big things in our life. Small things are going to come, God. You've taken care of all those big things. We know you've already won. So we can, we can relax, live in your presence and your peace, and know, God, that you, you are our victory. We thank you for this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Let's worship our victorious King.